those rich people always flying off somewhere. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to the Vegan Vanguard. It's Mexi and Marine. And Marine, I always say that. You do always <laughs> say that. <laughs> I can never just leave it be. Has to be yeah, Anne Marine. Anne Marine. Uh, and today we're going to talk about something that I've been thinking about for a long time. And it's funny because I pitched this idea to Marine, and she was like, "I don't think these are very new ideas," and they're not. They're not. <laughs> but so basically, turn off the podcast right now. No, kidding. <laughs> uh, but I implore you to keep listening, though. Yes, um, absolutely. Because I feel like people are really not thinking about things in this way. So, I mean, the thought that I had for this episode was that patriarchy can exist without capitalism, but capitalism cannot exist without patriarchy, I would argue. Like, I cannot see an instance where if we were living under an alternative, I I tend to call it a matriarchy, even though I know that that's a bit confusing because a lot of people in the mainstream will consider matriarchy to just be the inverse of the hierarchy where women are just on top. But I, I can't imagine a situation where we have, you know, no no patriarchy, perhaps matriarchy, where, you know, we've moved beyond everything that patriarchy represents and then and still have an economic system like capitalism. Like, I just don't, I don't see how that could possibly happen. And I really think that people are not thinking enough about how do we actually rid ourselves of patriarchy and patriarchal values, which have really colonized our minds and our hearts. So yeah, this is this is inspired by me watching a lot of videos about, you know, the rise of Nazism and neo-Nazism and, you know, the women of the alt-right. Uh, and also from figures like Adrienne Marie Brown, who we've talked about before on the show, who wrote... Uh, emergent strategy and pleasure activism, and who talks a lot about the importance of building movements that are miles deep instead of just, you know, miles wide, but inches deep. But yeah, I'm just thinking that patriarchy is kind of an overlooked, it's becoming more and more overlooked in in leftist spaces. Maureen has a different experience with a lot of the spaces that she's in, which are more feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the online left, and even in like the in real life left, I feel like a lot of patriarchal values like might is right are just really pernicious. And I really don't believe that we're going to build a better world together with might is right mentality being mm-hmm. remotely part of our ethos, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're going to dig into a lot of these ideas today, but just to start out, I will shout out the patrons. So we have a number of new patrons and yeah, just thank you so much to everyone who supports the show. If you have even $1 per month, you can help support the continuation of these podcasts and we really, really appreciate it. Uh, so thank you to Anthony Pizzo, Danictron, George Jacobs, Isaiah, Josh R., Magnus, Ranger Jenny, and Surly Koala. Thank you so much. Thank you. And if you'd like to support the show in ways that are non-monetary, you can give us a rating and review on iTunes. I always love reading those, so that's a great way to help increase our reach uh, or just sharing it with friends or family. 
So, as always, before we jump into the main topic, we have some wonderful headlines for the future, some hopeful headlines for the future submitted by a listener. And we always love getting these. So please send them in to any of our social media platforms or to veganvanguardpodcast at gmail.com. So uh, I will read these out and Maureen will react. <laughs> yeah, I love doing this. Yeah. The few times I've gotten to. Yeah. Um, okay, so these are submitted by ZJF and these are dream headlines in the style of Vox. Mm. Eating the rich explained. Mm. <laughs> Last slaughterhouse closes and becomes a museum. Critics say it's too macabre. What does macabre mean again? It means like... Um, it means like dark and... Like dark, yeah, yeah. Disturbing and horrifying because of involvement with or depiction of death and injury. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, why, why would I want a museum to like slaughterhouses? God, that would be horrible. Mm-hmm. Although I guess it would be good to display like the kind of horrors that went on when we were so much less evolved. <laughs> yeah, true. I feel like when anything reaches like muse- museum status, it's like, I mean, I guess it's good yeah. to have that education, you know. I mean, there's like a Holocaust museum. There's like an apartheid museum right. in South Africa right. and stuff. But- well, I think there was the first museum about slavery that opened in D.C. like a couple of years ago. And it was like oh, so really? ridiculous that that wasn't <laughs> right. That that wasn't in educational like museum settings before. So true. Yeah, it should be acknowledged so that it's like okay, never again. Right. This. Right. So, yeah. Um, National Sorry Day sees former Carnis hug sanctuary farm animals, but is it enough? <laughs> <laughs> is it enough? I see. I thought when you first said that that you were saying like current carnists are like hugging animals, but is it enough? Because you know oh, there's that yeah. cognitive dissonance that makes people like love some animals and right. then eat them. Yeah. The very next. No, but hour this is a hope, hopeful headline. So the hopeful headline is like all these former carnists are hugging these farm animals. Right. But is right. it enough? The, for, is that the enough? hopeful headline is that we're all former carnists. Yes. Um, Jeff Bezos exiled to remote island in the Pacific. Some say he's getting off lightly. <laughs> yeah. I would think that is very getting off lightly. That is getting off very lightly. Indeed. Very lightly. He should be freaking grateful if that is his fate. But also he'll probably like drown because of the climate change that he's inflicted. True. Right? But hey, that's... His own fault. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, the miraculous rebirth of the Great Barrier Reef explained in 10 charts. Wow. Mm. That makes me happy. Yeah. That makes me really happy. Yeah. <sighs> that's that's always been on my bucket list, but it's pretty much dead. So, Right. So there's that. Yeah. Wasn't it declared actually like dead or extinct a while ago? I think – at least three quarters of it were right dead. <laughs> Fuck. So, yeah. Uh, international socialism encourages English speakers to learn a second language. Critics say they could learn more. I like it. Um, I'm actually learning, like I know my French as well, but I'm learning Spanish right now. Are you? Which is so awesome. I am. Yeah, because I um, recently was in Ecuador. And 
I, you know, my Spanish is fine because I know French, but it's, you know, it's not really passable. So I'm like, yeah, I want to learn this. And uh, I also want to learn Italian because I'm actually getting my Italian citizenship soon. No way. So, yeah. Yeah. Wait, so you're going to have European <laughs> citizenship? Yeah. Wow. That's very cool. You're going to be able to come visit me even more easily now. I know. I'm very excited. <laughs> It just sucks though because when I go back to Canada, is it's like if I use the the Italian passport to get to Europe, then when I go back to Canada, I have to stand in the like non-resident line because I ha- I can't use like the Canadian passport to get back into Canada. You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's a that's a that's a small inconvenience. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. Okay, how the British overthrew the monarchy and turned Buckingham Palace into a giant library. Amazing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that'd be great. Hearing, hearing people talk about their royal wedding is just Can, unbelievable. I honestly am like, am I watching a farce? <laughs> like, do, do people actually yeah. care about this ridiculous tradition? I'm sorry. All the British people hate me right now, but... No, not all no, the British no. people. The, Br- no, the, no. the British leftists are just like right. no. The British on. people are like down, maybe. Yeah. People in Canada are down. Like my mom is down. Like you know, we're still basically we're right. still living under the British monarchy over here, and people totally. are just really into it. Right. Like, I know people who watch the royal wedding and who are really excited to watch the royal wedding. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, yeah. Uh, Say goodbye to business studies and hello to botany. Yes. Yes. I would love that. Yeah. So thank you so much for submitting those headlines. Those were great. And yeah, just once again, submit them to us and we will read them on the show. (laughs) He's always calling me little Marco. And I'll admit, the guy, he's taller than me. He's like 6'2", which is why I don't understand why his hands are the size of someone who's 5'2". Have you seen his hands? They're like this. And you know what they say about men with small hands? You can't trust them. He said I had small hands. Actually, I'm 6'3", not 6'2", but he said I had small hands. They're not small, are they? I never heard, I never heard that one before. I've always had people say, Donald, you have the most beautiful hands. What? He hit my hands. Nobody has ever hit my hands. I've never heard of this one. Look at those hands. Are they small hands? He referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee you. Okay, so first off, I think we should define patriarchy and then kind of the inverse of that, right? So if we want to get rid of patriarchy, what's the opposite instead of just instead of just this absence of it, right? It's just what are we actually hoping for when we get rid of patriarchy? So Maureen, can you give us the definition of patriarchy? And then I think I will expand a bit. Sure. Um, So I just typed in patriarchy into Google definition, but what I get is a system of society or a government in which the father or eldest man is the head of the family and descent is reckoned through the male line. The second definition is a system of society or government in which men hold the power and women are largely excluded from it, or a society or a community organized on patriarchal lines, which I guess is the same as the first definition. Yeah, I think that 
there, there could be, you know, patriarchy could be defined on so many different levels, like institutional or psychological, or, you know, it has Mm -hmm. just ramifications on absolutely everything we touch and feel and hear and see. So, uh, but I think, you know, I see, I see patriarchy as also a force that, or a system of knowing that categorizes humans um and really the the world because you can see this dichotomy applied to pretty much everything and to into like male and female or feminine and masculine um and it's where like the like femininity is um consistently and systematically devalued and dominated mm-hmm. um and thought of as inferior um and yeah that has that's visible in like the the resulting ideology of patriarchy which i guess would be sexism or you know materially um it's a system where the people who are identified as male are consistently reaping more of the benefits and deciding how the mm-hmm. wealth is distributed um mm-hmm. and then i think we're going to talk about yeah patriarchy as a mode of hierarchy or as a system of like as a system of thought that is linear and competitive, mm-hmm. uh, right. Whereas maybe an alternative would be more circular and more based on like empathy than mm-hmm. strict rationality. But then again, patriarchy, I don't think is more rational. So no, but like the, but as you were saying, you know, the dichotomies that it sets up between like feminine and masculine, there's a whole bunch of characteristics that get coded as either feminine or masculine. And then obviously the the masculine is prioritized. So obviously, you know, right. um, rationality is coded as masculine and then the opposite you know emotions or intuition or whatever is coded as feminine and then devalued so it's like yeah it really is the system of hierarchy and just yeah just creating these strict dichotomies where certain qualities are considered to be better or more desirable and whatnot so like assertiveness right domination competition may the best man win I wrote down so many notes that I associate with patriarchy that I think, you know, it is, you know, obviously it's patrilineage. It is a system where systematically men are more privileged. Um, but I think that in the in the sense that it does set up the the hierarchy between, you know, masculinity versus femininity, there's so much more that goes into all of that that gets right down into like our internal values and thoughts and everything. And that's how it really colonizes our our mind. Um, I think might is right is basically like that's basically like our society on uh, our patriarchal society on like a broader scale. It's just might is right. If you can do something to further yourself at the expense of someone else, it's not only morally fine, right? You can think about people who make excuses for colonialism because, well, we were just better. We just conquered, right? It's just that mentality of might is right uh, applied society-wide. I think it's also the fetishization of strength in a sense. I think a lot of it has to do with like this idea of toxic masculinity because, uh, you know, we critique toxic masculinity, but like in the way that feminine and masculine are coded in our society, it's like a lot of the characteristics that have to do with toxic masculinity are privileged and rewarded, right? So like the might is right, like competition, like beating down your competitor is prior is prized, like you'll be privileged for that. And just kind of this idea that there is a strict hierarchy and you need to obey your higher ups or you will be brutalized. 
to me, that's a very patriarchal idea. So I think that patriarchy, like, as you said, is this system, but I think that it goes, it's a lot broader than that. And um, it has to do with a lot of like ideas and values that we hold as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's making me think of an activity that I've done with my students in the past. Uh, I make them write down, like I, I put two labels on the board and one of them says, a good man and one of this them says real man and then mm. I ask them I start with the good man column and you know I'm like what makes a good man and it's always like you know honor honesty generosity um mm -hmm. you know being able to like sacrifice for the good of all um mm -hmm. being empathetic you know all this stuff and then the real man it's like he's muscular and a playboy and yeah. like a boss <laughs> yeah. and like dominating and all that stuff. Um, and mm -hmm. I think it, I, I got this activity from, I forget what it's called that, um, TV series by Justin Baldoni. What is it called? Oh it, yeah. The real um, man project or like, Oh man enough, man mm, enough, man enough. Um, yeah, yeah. right. So he's kind of like listing off those two categories with, you his friends around a dinner table and then I think mm -hmm. he or one of one of the other men say like you know society and patriarchal society asks men to sacrifice to be real men at the expense of being good mm -hmm. men and I just yes. thought that was so true you know like why are those yes. two definitions so different why does like being a good human mm -hmm. look so drastically different than being like a real man. <laughs> mm -hmm, um, yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. That's such a great point. And that's exactly kind of what I'm getting at is that like, yes, it's a system that in which men are typically um, systematically more privileged than non-men, I'll say, but it's also this system, like it's a societal, it's societal pressure to be that image of toxic masculinity in order to get those privileges mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. if you don't if you don't conform to that not only will you not get the privileges you'll be bullied you'll be excluded you'll be torn down you know what I mean um mm -hmm. and obviously that's not the case across the board like obviously there is like Justin Baldoni like there's people like him who do have a lot of privilege and like big soapboxes and you know things are changing but like that that to me is just really exemplary of like patriarchy being more than just this framework of this this system it's it's actually really deeply social and like we reproduce that w within ourselves right like we all reproduce that right and he talks a lot about like all men who talk about masculinity talk a lot about how they struggled most of their lives against these stereotypes you know that they were also exactly. socialized to want to adhere to yeah exactly exactly and like people are really starting to push back and it's beautiful to see but I think, yeah, like patriarchy on a society-wide scale is kind of, it's those qualities of toxic masculinity. Just, you know, if we just like applied that at a society-wide scale or we just like, you know, personified our society, it would be like a toxically masculine dude. You know what I mean? Right. So, okay. So what would be the opposite then? So like I I tend to, to term this a matriarchy because, um, you know, I know a lot of like feminist scholars will say, you know, feminism uh, it's not about like inversing the hierarchy so that women are just on top. It's about actually moving beyond that oppression and moving beyond that hierarchy and um, to like a totally new different uh, different way of being. Um, and I've seen certain, you know, quote unquote matriarchies of the past described in that kind of same way. But colloquially, 
people think of matriarchy and they think of just like women dominating. And also um, Maureen pointed out that like matriarchy still contains the word archy. So it technically it's not a non-archy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anarchy explicitly means no archy. So no archy. Yeah. yeah. And I've also, it's funny. I, I feel like where I've heard it the most is from like anti-feminists who say like, you know, well, what do you want? Do you just want like a matriarchy? Yeah. And um, actually I was watching this, this video earlier that was like pointing out that with, except for like at the exception of maybe one society, we really haven't seen any matriarchies um yeah. in the way you know like we've seen like matrilineage which is like where i guess lineage is charted down from female to female instead of just male mm-hmm. you know male names and stuff but yeah for me and maxi and i were talking about this before the podcast because i still don't really like the word matriarchy but i think that maxi was thinking about it in just a different way like an alternative to patriarchy but I mean, yeah. for me, what I really see the alternative of like patriarchy or of archy as is like a circle rather than a line, um, as simplistic as that is. But mm-hmm. yeah, something like a system that, first of all, prioritizes life mm-hmm. that is just based on like life and flourishing and like the generation of that, like generation in the sense like for life, for the society that we're in to be generative of. Mm-hmm. life and happiness um and to be protective of that so also like obviously we're going to protect the humans who are carrying life mm-hmm. <laughs> uh mm-hmm. but yeah. but yeah a system that is focused on like the living and like the empathy mm-hmm. and the needs of that yeah yeah i agreed i see i view matriarchy or whatever you want to call it it's kind of like difficult because when I when I hear matriarchy, I also I think of like Jordan B. Peterson of just like the matriarchal <laughs> world of darkness and like matriarchy is just chaos and like you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think about you know moving beyond that oppression, so like more more egalitarian qualities that would be embraced or uplifted would be like humility, selflessness. Uh, you know, not trying to prove anything, um, not trying to grow or dominate, like not needing to do any of those things, right? Openness, um, taking care of one another, mutual aid, cooperation, uh, all of these things that are just really clearly opposite to like what patriarchy is and what it stands for on like an ideological level. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because I listened to like recently Rev Left Radio had Michael Brooks on the show to talk about like meditation and Buddhism and Marxism, which I loved. It was a great show. Um, and Brett, as always, is amazing. He just blows me away <laughs> with like his insight and just like the things that he comes up with. Um, but yeah, they were really talking about a lot of, you know, Buddhist ideology that I really identify with. And I really see kind of like a a lot of the patriarchal values being rooted in like ego. And ego in itself is kind of like an insecurity where it's just like, you're, you're not good just with who you are or what you are, you need to look externally for validation, you need to look externally for your happiness, like you need to Mm -hmm go out and seek power over other people for you to feel important um, as opposed to just like being good. Like, I don't need that. You know what I mean? Um, Which is kind of like a more enlightened, like if you get into more like selflessness kind of thing, then it's just like, you know what? I'm good internally. Like I'm a whole person. I don't need to 
dominate others to to for myself to feel good or if like for myself mm-hmm. that doesn't give me any anything or any pleasure kind of thing. So I kind of associate that as well, but that's kind of getting like a little bit a little bit deeper <laughs> into like into like our own psyches and like how we reproduce these ourselves, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think those are probably good definitions to go off. And I mean, I think it's important to to give those kind of more broader definitions because yeah, if you just think about patriarchy as like, oh, men dominate, then it's very easy for people to be like, well, we're not into patriarchy anymore because, you know, so-and-so, we have all these women CEOs or we have all these women like right. Hillary Clinton or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, and it's just like, oh, look, women are like, men aren't dominating everything or women aren't system like always excluded or whatever so it's very easy to be like oh well look we're moving away from that but i'm like no it's it's a it's a deeper than that like it's a it's a value system that we all operate under right and still on a global scale materially women have a vast i mean men have the vast share of the power Mm -hmm. um like women are still you know in our societies are still like underpaid and systematically like assaulted and victims of violence and stuff but especially you know like on a global scale like poverty yeah disproportionately affects women um so do like yeah pretty much every indicator of like like gender-based violence right pretty much like every indicator of equality is (laughs) shows that women are still Mm -hmm. dis like systematically disadvantaged. Right. But I would say like we it's still good to have this more broad definition of like patriarchy and the absence of patriarchy because let's say like just in theory like let's say that we entered some stage of capitalism somehow where like women were actually in charge of things. Like women we had women I mean we do have a lot of women CEOs now. I believe like all of the big weapons companies in the US are, yeah. are headed by women's women CEOs and things like that, right? So it's very possible to imagine a world where like women are kind of at the helm of these broader systems. But I would say that that doesn't mean that we've escaped patriarchy. You know what I mean? It's possible right. to have women in power, but to still be living under a patriarchy because patriarchy is more than that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like a whole system of living and being. And some women make very good representatives for patriarchy, you know? It's like having a few women women CEOs allows the machine to keep Mm -hmm. you know systematically oppressing like the mass of women right and it's not that like those women got to those positions because they were really like espousing an alternative right you know they weren't like espousing like oh let's cooperate let's do this it's that like they were able to really fit themselves into this patriarchal mode of governance to the point that they were able to rise up right so so yeah, so uh, I just I've been starting to think that it isn't necessarily that ca- like capitalism does exacerbate sexism in a way, but that capitalism is actually in my mind just the logical conclusion of like hundreds and hundreds of years of patriarchy. Like it's an economic system that just fits so completely into what we just described as like a patriarchal mode of governance and also like line of thinking and values that people internalize, right? Mm-hmm. And then by extension fascism which is just like the you know the end the end of capitalism basically that's just also by extension another like it's an extension of patriarchy in that same sense right so as we've seen many times before we can have patriarchy without capitalism like we we have had patriarchy without capitalism but could we have capitalism without patriarchy i don't think so yeah 
for me, they're like so they're they're so incredibly intertwined that I still, I guess, have trouble with that question because I am like, no, we couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, the way that capitalism functions and was like originated is completely dependent on the systematic oppression mm-hmm. of women. Like capitalism, I almost feel like the word yes. wouldn't even exist or definitely not this current iteration if it wasn't, if it didn't have mm-hmm. patriarchy completely built into it. Like I almost feel like, yeah, capitalism is like a certain iteration of patriarchy because it's so indissociable from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And it was born from patriarchy. You know what I mean? It was born from a deeply patriarchal system of governance. And yeah, like, by suppressing women and by sowing divide between like by breaking solidarity between men and women, which is what Sylvia Federici talks about in her book. But I mean, like if we imagine that we're in this, this society where we're living under like the absence of patriarchy. So everything that we just described under the matriarchy, like circular living, you know, caring for beings, cooperation, selflessness, um, humility, all this stuff to me that's so drastically incompatible with the economic system of capitalism that like i really do not think that we could have capitalism in mm-hmm. the absence of patriarchy mm-hmm. you know like if we actually did not have patriarchy then our economic system would by default be so drastically different than capitalism mm-hmm. right like it would be so much closer to like anarchism or socialism or whatnot just by just by default of like not living in a, a society that like prioritizes patriarchal values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just in the fact that so many think so many people are under the impression. And I feel like I was before I learned about capitalism, that there's something just like inherent and natural about capitalism or, you know, just like already naming mm-hmm. it as a system of organizing and exploiting people in this world is a pretty radical act. Um, cause so many people, cause I feel mm-hmm. like the ideology of capitalism just, is like we're we're bathing in it every second um yeah. and so the the only way that capitalism is able to appear so natural it's because patriarchal values are also um omnipresent mm-hmm. and just revered as like what humans naturally do you know it's this whole right. um idea that like capitalism is natural because it just follows human instinct well that's only when you define human instinct as something deeply patriarchal and um, yes yeah that protects like established male ways of doing things because otherwise there's really nothing very natural about capitalism or patriarchy yeah Yeah, no, that's so true. And it's like, okay, in a sense, capitalism then does exacerbate exacerbate patriarchy in that it affirms all of patriarchy's assumptions about the ways that people are in the world. You know what I mean? So it Mm -hmm. affirms that if you are competitive, if you are dominant, then, oh, look, you get the money. Mm -hmm. So it, it kind of like affirms those values that are part of patriarchy and part of like patriarchal modes of thinking. Mm-hmm. And so then it just makes it seem like, well, of course, this is right. Of course, this is natural. Like everything that we thought, everything we thought about human nature is true because look, that's how the system works. Mm-hmm. Patriarchy like naturalizes and invisibilizes capitalism as this very yeah. particular economic 
mode. <laughs> but I think that capitalism also invisibilizes patriarchy because it's just yeah. like, oh no, but this is just the way things are. Yeah. Like competition is just the way things are. It's just natural. Mm -hmm. And people don't even really think that like, well, that's actually just a really patriarchal way of thinking about that. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And we could think otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I've just been thinking, you know, like Marxists and like, I'm in a very, like I do, I do like, you know, in real life, uh, you know, I go out to like protests and like organizing events and talks and everything in Toronto. So I am doing stuff in real life, but a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing, I mean, we're, we're in this quote unquote culture war. So like a lot of people are really getting their politics from like YouTube and Twitter and all this stuff. Right. And in these spaces, you know, there's just so many Marxists that are just like, yeah, no, if we get rid of capitalism, like capitalism will end all the other oppressions. So if you want to end patriarchy, if you want to end sexism, we got to get rid of capitalism and then we can worry about getting rid of patriarchy or whatnot. Um, but I've actually been thinking that it's it's kind of the other way around, right? Like we've seen capitalism fall in a lot of states where patriarchy was never abolished. They never got beyond patriarchy or like might is right values. Um, so getting rid of capitalism doesn't mean that patriarchy will end, but like getting rid of patriarchy, as we just said, would mean that like by default, our economic system could not be capitalism. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I actually think like thinking about like Nazis and neo-Nazis and all these people who are deeply racist, they are also like the most fucking patriarchal people in the world. Because again, it's just those value systems of like dominance, um, ego and like needing to prove yourself like needing to be like well I am someone because I'm better than that person and if you have no reason to think that you're better than that person you have to invent that reason of like oh well they have a different color skin so I must like I'm better because I'm white and here's all the reasons why I'm better which right. is just again very patriarchal yeah pa I, I sort of feel like capitalism like any anti-capitalist movement that's not truly egalitarian and reproduces any form of hierarchy is not really a threat to capitalism in that like capitalism might fall for a while. But mm -hmm. if we are taking as our starting point that capitalism is just is a natural extension of patriarchy, then won't won't a similarly unequal, exploitative mm -hmm. economy come about again eventually, like if we're not tackling the root of mm -hmm oppression because i sort of feel like capitalism can thrive if there's any group that's othered and systematically exploited yes not just women you know like whether it be you know and we and we mm -hmm. see that that's why like we see just such an interlocking system of people being pushed at the margins whether it's on the basis of like sex gender sexuality race ability etc mm -hmm. um it's like as long as capitalism has that ability as long, you know, as long as capitalism can exploit inequality and create divisions and exacerbate them amongst people, then, mm -hmm. then like it'll do so. Right. But I mean, it's interesting because um, we often think that capitalism is the thing that's created the divisions. But no, I think, you know, obviously patriarchy existed far longer. There were already these divisions and like racism existed far longer, far longer as well, which I think was, uh, you know, an extension of patriarchal uh, modes of governance prior to capitalism, right? Because you had colonialism, you had white man's burden, you had all of that already there, right? And so then capitalism 
followed that and then, you know, used these divisions that were there between people to profit. And so it just kind of like, you know, it, it systematized all these things, right? I I feel like I don't have a good enough like historical grasp on that to, I guess, fully get behind it just because I don't know, you know, even though like patriarchy is like really, really old, I'm sure there were forms of racism or of discrimination in like smaller cultures. I think that we have, we live in a pretty like newly globalized world, like with colonialism and the ability to like, yeah, take boats and like (laughs) travel, I guess, on such a wider scale. Um, But, you know, I don't know if I think like the root of all oppression is patriarchy in the iteration of like the systematic exploitation of women, you know, because I don't even really know what that binary looked like before. And that binary looked different in like white European cultures than they did in like other cultures. Um, Some cultures like didn't recognize just two, two genders. So yeah, no, that's very true. Um, And like, certainly in in cultures that were like more matrilineal, like there could have still been like racism and like other forms of othering and stuff like that. Right. Um, I guess I'm just saying that like, in terms of like, we think about capitalism today as being like, Oh yeah, it creates divisions between people and then it exacerbates them. But I think that like a lot of the divisions were actually, were actually already present prior to the start of capitalism on a global scale. And I mean, I like I I say that they're linked to, to patriarchy. I don't mean necessarily. I mean, maybe we shouldn't even call it patriarchy then. But like, just the values that are now prioritized in patriarchy, or like the values that are now coded as masculine, I think are kind of at the root of a lot of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like like where does othering come from? Like, why do people other other people? Mm-hmm. Either you know you can do that either for like material value or like you know, if it's like a deeply like personal or like psychological thing, to me, that comes from, I guess, ego, like, I guess, needing to put someone else else down to support who you are, because othering is basically just like defining the other in order to define the self, right. And so like, if you don't have any anxieties about the self, then you don't really need to other someone as less than you, Mm -hmm. you know, because you don't need that, you don't need that in order to define yourself, Mm -hmm. right. I guess to me, I think like the big question of our time is how do we actually like get rid of that within ourselves? And like, how do we get rid of that within leftist movements? Like, how do we get rid of that within society? You know what I mean? Because it's so, you know, I don't think that people are like fundamentally selfish. Like, I think that we've been, we've grown up and been like really indoctrinated by all of these values and these ideas. So I think like, you know, further generations might be better if they, if they're grown and like brought up in a different environment and socialized in a different way. But I mean, like, I don't know, I see so many leftist movements today. I mean, especially just like the leftist sphere online, just still really espousing a lot of these like kind of might is right values. And like, unapologetically so you know and it's just like I don't believe we're ever gonna we're not gonna build a better world if this is the way that we're relating to each other and I think that goes back to like Adrian Marie Brown where it's just like we can't build something better if we don't have the relationships between us and like you can't really build relationships with people if you're operating like under that kind of mentality of needing to prove your own self in some way I, I just think that's it's just really damaging you know Mm -hmm. yeah and 
I wonder, I think maybe you should talk about like left tube or particular examples or I, I don't know. Cause I feel like, yeah. Yeah. Like the feminists that I've read really talk about that and the spaces, you know, especially when you talk, especially like I've just been really into ecofeminism lately. Um, and I feel mm-hmm. like it's like really take like in France, it's just really taking off. Like there are like conferences everywhere and books getting published and festivals and stuff. And mm-hmm. I just have n- almost never heard. Well, all the, you know, I don't know. I, I just feel like feminism is always like, I've heard so many feminist critiques of capitalism and, and I, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Like, I feel like they're very intertwined and like recognized as being super intertwined. And I'm not part of that many leftist spaces that are like male dominated, although I know that that is a big mm-hmm. problem, and and maybe that's just symptomatic of like the bubble that I'm I'm operating in right now, <laughs> and the the people that I'm reading and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because yeah. I feel like yeah, of course, no, it's I mean, so true, mm-hmm. and and I mean like that's an amazing bubble to be in, and I just I wish that we were all in that bubble. I guess the question then is like, how do we extend that bubble? Like, how do we extend it? Because like. Uh, especially in these more male-dominated spaces, it's just, it's considered frivolous, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Even like Brett and Michael Brooks were talking about, you know, meditation and and Buddhist philosophy. And a lot of these are really important truths and, and, you know, values and things that people should be cognizant of. It's just considered frivolous, the same as veganism. Like I posted a video recently about veganism and people are just like, no, forget about this. This is this is frivolous. Like it's a class war. You know, everything is just a class war. Right. And people Which don't is think such beyond that. A patriarchal way of thinking. Because like yeah. war and glamorizing that in any kind of way, first of all, it's like this us against them mentality. But also like why is fascism yeah. the ultimate point of patriarchy? It's because like it yeah, it fetishizes strengths. And also also you mm-hmm. need to teach socialized men into thinking that into not being not allowed to be afraid of death and of pain and of violence because right. you need to be able to like recruit them to protect your state like it's it's all right a mentality that just serves like mandatory conscription you know and like right um, it does ha- having people in the army that is literally what yeah i feel like that's why patriarchy is promoted by the state you know um mm-hmm. and yeah. The fact that, yeah, you should like want to fight, you know, it comes down to like protecting capitalist interests, basically. Yeah, basically. And yeah, but you're so right. Like in leftist spaces, framing it as just a war that you can win. It's like, right. no, like we can get all the guns we want. We can kill all the capitalists, you know. But- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not going to work. That is not going to work. <laughs> But like, and people were saying this to me online, they were just like, oh, well, if you can't even because I was talking about like the quote unquote dirtbag left, which is basically just a bunch of men who care about ending capitalism, but who still want to like use slurs, sexist slurs, able slurs, all this stuff. And I was saying, you know, this, this is not how we build community. This is not how we build trust. And people were just like, well, if you can't even handle people saying, you know, these able slurs, like the R word or whatever, uh, how are you going to organize a revolution? It's just like, that's not the point. Like, I can obviously organize the revolution. Like, we can all get together and organize. It's posing such a false dichotomy and choice. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
And like, we can all get together and organize a revolution in terms of like, we can get together and like come up with a bunch of military tactics to like seize the state or something, right? But then what happens the day after revolution when we have absolutely no relationships built between one another? We don't know how to live in community with one another. We don't, you know what I mean? We don't know how to share. We don't know how to be selfless. We don't know how to not other, frankly. We don't know how to get, you know, we don't, we don't, we're not at that like evolved state where we're like, we're good as people. And like, we actually want to just create like a circular world, not a linear one. You know what I mean? You can quote unquote win a war, but like, that doesn't mean you've won in terms of like, it doesn't mean you've made the society that you set out to make. Right. And I think that like, if we just focus on that, like we're, we're just going so far yeah, we're not going to be able to build a better world together. Because it's just like, yeah, I can organize a revolution with these people who are like, you know, being really inappropriate to other people. But it's just like, why Why would I want to organize a revolution with people who like cannot have any humility and like form any like real bonds with one another? Because they've been socialized to think like, no, this is just a war. Like I got to just like toughen up and like fight the war. You know what I mean? Right. <sighs> It is a false dichotomy and it's like, it's really frustrating. Right. And you're right that like the fetishization of violence just leads that that is what fascism is. Right. And like, I watch a lot of, I watch a lot of like, you know, Nazi, like I watch a lot of like what they're saying. And it's very clear to me how big a role patriarchy plays in like the Mm -hmm. whole neo-Nazi movement, the whole alt-right movement. I mean, like these people are honestly just little boys who are really trying to like prove themselves as men, you know? Um, or Mm -hmm. like incels or whatever it's like they feel emasculated for whatever reason and they're embarrassed and so it's like it can't be my fault right and it's not even their fault right because it's just like the whole system is ridiculous like you shouldn't feel emasculated emasculation shouldn't even be a thing that you feel ever right it's like (laughs) we should we shouldn't be prioritizing masculinity to the point that people can feel embarrassed that they're not quote-unquote masculine but but yeah it's just like no it has to be everyone else like I have to just like loathe women because women did it or Jews did it or whoever is doing it and then if I can just beat them down then I'll be the one that's important and I'll be the one that everyone listens to and I'll be the one that you know what I mean and that's so Mm -hmm. deeply rooted in like ego and just patriarchal values Mm -hmm. yeah I was listening to a podcast earlier that was actually saying that um I think fascism has some roots in the word phallus oh really uh, because this, yeah, this person was also saying that like fascism is like the complete, I guess, like the natural, the, the like ultimate conclusion of patriarchy um, and of mm-hmm. this like this uh, idea that like the phallus is all powerful <laughs> and um, etc. Mm-hmm. It comes from the word fascies, fascis, which is apparently like a, a bunch of sticks that are tied together. I tried to look it up, but. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like that's the, you know, that is what it comes from. And it was really fascinating. It was talking about the history in the Roman, like it was, yeah, it was talking about um, the etymology of these words and also the idea that like the, the male, like the penis, Mm -hmm. the male penis, the penis (laughs) was not just like an organ that allowed you to pee or whatever, but it became in, in Rome during the Roman empire, like phallus and symbolically the phallus Mm -hmm. and that like it became like the locus of masculinity as like you know your testicles and your ability to like be erect as the pinnacle of what it meant to be 
masculine. Um, and it was interesting too, it was, it was explaining the etymology of testicles as one, like it comes from testing. And apparently people used to, um, in order to like swear to each other, they used to grab each other by the testicles and say like, you know, I sw swear like as, you know, like this is, what? This is a test. Um, and it was also, <laughs> yeah, oh, it was really fascinating. Uh, it was also mm. talking about like how uh, women are stereotyped, I guess, or were thought of as being not able to be in control of like their emotions and their moods and like their loss of blood because they never knew when their menstrual cycles mm. would come and go and they didn't know, you know, uh, when they would permanently cease with menopause and um, et cetera. And it was almost seen as like a divine function that the male was able to like control and not control his erection, which we all know also, <laughs> I mean, men even more, but that that's bullshit, you know? And, and right. the, the person interviewed on this podcast made an interesting point of, you know, when you put something, when you make an organ as unpredictable as like the penis responsible for like the locus, like the apex of masculinity, like of course masculinity is going to be very insecure and full of fear and like mm -hmm. unstable and like this like thing mm -hmm. that invokes so much anxiety as like, are you a real man or are mm -hmm. you not? You know, because it's like, right. if we were just realistic about the, the limitations of the phallus mm -hmm. or of the, you know, right. Yeah. And like that anxiety and that shame that like is around that I think is just really, really powerful in terms of creating people who then do want to other other people, right? Because it's like, if you're so anxious and ashamed about like your own masculinity or whatever, I mean, obviously, it would make sense that like, to relieve some of that anxiety, you would just be like, oh, well, you know, I am, I am better. Like I am a real man. And like, you know, people who aren't the same skin color as me are not. And women are just like, you know, chaotic and they can't be, they can't be in control of anything and blah, blah, blah. You know, like it would, it would obviously make sense that that would be like an extension of, or like that would be something you do to try and like self-soothe, you know? <laughs> right. So, yeah. So yeah, I just, I, I'm really, I'm thinking that these are really just things that we need to start thinking about. And like, again, I know like in spaces that you, you are in, they are thinking about that very deeply and that's awesome. And I know like I, this is why I love listening to Adrian and Autumn's podcast, um, how, how to survive the end of the world, because they talk about this stuff all the time. I just, I want to know how do we like extend that bubble? Because especially like within the next 10 years, as climate change worsens, I think if resources get scarce, then like might is right mentality is going to like prevail. You know, it's going to, it's just mm -hmm. going to increase. Um, it's going right. to be really hard to er eradicate. And that's something that we really need to think about. Like, how do we maintain, how do we maintain like selflessness, humility, calmness, cooperation, all of this stuff in the face of an environment that no longer can really sustain us? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think also feminists like that are much, much older than that have been talking about I I would almost feel I, I would almost argue that like that is the birth of feminism or like what it right. like I I've you know, Bell Hooks who is like mm -hmm. who wrote about all this stuff in like the seventies. I just finished her book All mm -hmm. About Love and she also is the one who wrote the book The Will to Change about like masculinity and about like precisely this mm -hmm. this insecurity and this like 
violence of like what it is to be a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she talks about how like profoundly our society doesn't know what it means to love and also doesn't mm-hmm. yeah that everything we're socialized to believing is contrary to like the very essence of what connects us mm-hmm. and yeah. we end up like traumatizing each other and harming each other um in a way that then consumerism and capitalism profits right yeah no, absolutely. So, I mean, I guess this is just a call for everyone to just like pay attention, like read this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's great to read Marx. It's great to read whoever else. But like, we actually need we we need much more than just changing the economic conditions. Right. And I think that honestly, like, if we we did change, like, it has to be. And people are just like, oh, well, it has to be the economic. Like, of course, we have to change the economic conditions. But I actually don't think we're going to change them that drastically unless we actually pay attention to more of this, you know, this internal stuff. And I was reading recently, like Rudolf Rocker, uh, Nationalism and Culture, and he kind of said the same thing of that, like you know, we, we could very easily change the economic conditions, um, or like the economic conditions could change, but definitely not lead us into like a radically different way of living together and like relating to each other, um, on a very personal level and relating to ourselves on a personal level and like relating to the earth. And I think that like, I don't know. Yeah. I've just been frustrated lately about like things that I've seen, (laughs) like in the left dude sphere sphere like online and uh yeah i mean i just i i really want us to start working on this stuff you know in a more practical way and uh, you know like you know this stuff and like a lot of people that you work with know this stuff but like i don't think enough people know this stuff or like are are willing to think about it beyond just a class war and so this is just really a call for people to like pay attention to this because I, I really don't think that capitalism could exist without patriarchy. And so we actually really need to think about like how we get rid of patriarchy um, so that we don't replicate it in the future. And we don't just end up with absolute barbarism in the next like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as we've discussed too, like changing our social, uh, our social justice culture around this of like not canceling people right. necessarily. Um, yeah. And not being so stuck in the mentality that like there is one right way to think, there is one right way to do things. And, mm-hmm. you know, everything has changed, everything is evolving all the time. Mm-hmm. We need to stay like humble and. As Adrian Brown, Adrian Marie Brown says, like adopt an outlook of like wonder and of like perpetually mm-hmm. learning mm-hmm. from one another, because I think that so many of the social justice movements just end up replicating this because that's I guess how we've all been socialized to think about things is like right or wrong or is like winning or losing, um, mm-hmm. and it just replicates like a lot of fear, a lot mm-hmm. of fear. Um, yeah. 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 Absolutely. And and really like radical self-love, but not in like a cheesy way of like, I'm just gonna take a bath. You know what I mean? Like actually being like grounded in yourself to the point that like you don't need to define an other to define yourself. Right. And I know that a lot of leftists are already there, but I feel like we need to start making sure that society is there. Like society society wide people feel so good in themselves that like they don't need to other other people mm-hmm. for any reason. Mm-hmm. I think that's really mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Totally. So yeah. 
That is just the call. And I feel just one more thing on this, like, restorative justice and, like, not canceling people. I I feel like that's something that people have been trying to do on the online left. But, like, we're not actually in community with one another. So it actually becomes very difficult because you can't, like, there's no reason for somebody to, like, volunteer to be part of an accountability process Mm -hmm. in these spaces. And, like, there's, there's really no way to, like to handle it and so in sometimes sometimes you do just have to call out like this is really inappropriate behavior like i called out recently some inappropriate behavior and was like this is not how we build trust um this is not how we build community and like this is not how we build a revolution that's actually going to like revolutionize the way that we live with one another you know right but it's yeah these are things we need to start really working on and thinking of how to how to get society society wide like these values to permeate and like people to think differently about themselves and others so Mm -hmm. yeah so thank you for letting me rant rant about all of this that i've been Mm -hmm. thinking about for so Mm -hmm. long (laughs) all right well thanks thanks for listening thanks for listening everyone Bye. bye